Pages of Pim Better Podcast. What's up, Voyagers? Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. This is episode number 189. This podcast episode is about pickles. We've covered a lot of food on here from a lot of places, and pickles and pickled food items can be found all around the world. My guest for today's episode is Alan Kaufman. He is the owner of Pickle Guys on Essex Street in Manhattan. This is an old school New York guy doing an old school New York thing. There is a craftsmanship to what he does. There's artistry to it. You know, there's care put in. The product, the presentation, they matter. He's not making those like jarred, limp, like yellowish kind of pickles. This is the real deal. Crisp, salty, garlicky, delicious, amazing. I've been there several times before recording there today. And I thought, hey, this would be pretty cool to to chat with him. And this was set up by one of his associates, Mike. So thank you to Mike. And thank you to Alan for using your office space there at the, at the shop to record. You know, there's no, uh, there's no civilization without preserving food. You don't have a food surplus if you can't figure out a way to preserve food. And you know what? Maybe that's not the best thing if you consider all of the real difficult things going on with civilization right now. But I think you get my point. And salt is the mechanism for preserving food. And salt is vital to the pickling process. It's actually a really fantastic book if you're interested in some, some food history. And it's about salt. And it's called Salt, A World History by Mark Kurlansky. No one knows exactly when the pickling process started, but there's evidence of it going back to the earliest civilizations in Mesopotamia. It's actually written about in the Bible. And like I said, it's found in cultures all around the world throughout time. Alan in this episode references Cleopatra, so I'll leave that there so you can hear about that in the actual conversation. But when we're talking about pickles in America, we're really talking about when the Spanish and European imperial powers colonized the Americas. And they had to keep food, namely vegetables and fruits, so people wouldn't get scurvy. They had to keep that food edible and available. And they did that through pickling and preserving. And when I'm talking about pickles being, you know, ubiquitous to New York and New York delis, we're talking about Eastern European cultures, particularly Jewish immigrants who immigrated to the United States and brought along food culture, as all immigrant groups do. I mean, if you're visiting New York, absolutely go get yourself a slice of pizza, a good slice of pizza. But I also think there's nothing more New York than, than going to, to a deli. You get your sandwich and a coffee. Or when I was younger, I used to like those 50-50s as a kid. It's like half lemonade, half iced tea. You get it in like a massive 
styrofoam container, and you get your crunchy pickle on the side. It's the best. If you've ever said hold the pickles, mm, it's probably not the episode for you. And Alan and and his crew there, this is like a this is a dying breed. I mentioned the raw craft series that you can watch on YouTube, and this is something to me that that fits in with that. It is craftsmanship. And it's something that I want to see around post-pandemic. You know, a world where the only thing that survive the pandemic are like TGI Fridays and an Olive Garden. That that is God, that is scarier than anything George Orwell could have predicted for the future. That is a future drained of its of its color and its pleasure and its passion. I like people who are doing it the old way, the good way, the traditional way, and making something delicious. I freaking love pickles, man. <laughs> so this was a this was a really cool one for me. I picked up all sorts of products when I left, and I've I've been eating some of them now. Uh, the traditional stuff, you know, your half sours, or you're probably familiar with. So you can go to my Instagram page and see some of those pictures and um, have some Insta videos up or whatever. But I'm going to try a couple things here now. Probably the last thing you ever wanted to hear was me chewing in your ear. I know that's quite a terrible sound. Maybe it's like second to hearing like people play with like this packing peanut thing, styrofoam. But we're about, we're about to, I'm about to try some pickled watermelon. It almost has like a, like a, Gummy consistency. Let's try this. Whoa. Hold on, let me chew. I don't even know how to describe that. That's really wild. It's not that sweet. It tastes like something. Well, I'd be the worst food critic. That food tastes like something. Mm. I don't know what it tastes like. It's reminding me of something. Great review, Tim. It is delicious. That's really wild. And and not like a huge bite to it. Like I, I guess I assumed it'd be kind of like super sour, but it's not. All right, this is a more, this one's also watermelon. It's, it's a darker red. The other one was kind of a pale. And Mike in the shop did tell me, and I've forgotten, but I think he said that this was like harder to get or not in season and there's less of this. So let's try this. Whoa, that's intense. Okay. Oh my God, that's amazing. So that is more of what I was thinking this would be. That tastes like pickles, like a pickled watermelon, but holy moly, that's intense. God, that's good. Wow. I had never heard of this before, um, pickled watermelon. And so Mike was telling me, uh, not Mike, Alan was telling me that that also comes from Eastern European cultures. All right, we're going to do one more here. You probably didn't want to wake up and listen to me chew today. But this is, ooh, this is going to be the hot. Um, wow. Okay, these are going to be the hot pickles with the red peppers. Here we go. Yeah, <clears throat> hold on. 
Yeah. Not the, the spiciest thing I've ever had, but there's a... Whew, I got some seeds. There is a bit of a kick to that. Dang, that's delicious. Wow. Whoa, tongue's on fire now. Okay, I got to get... Whew, I'm already sweating between my eyes here. I got to get a beverage. Um, wow, that's good. Okay, so go to the show notes for this episode. You'll find a link to the Pickle Guys uh, social media accounts and their website. Go check them out in Manhattan. If you're from New York or if you're a tourist, go pick them up. You can even like go in there and get like one pickle of each each uh, each type. Oh, incredible. Tell them that uh, you're a Voyager. Tell them Tim sent you. Would appreciate that. Also go to the show notes for this episode and you will find a link to my Patreon account. That's a subscription-based service where you can give monthly and uh, there's some cool kickbacks like shirts and stuff. I just printed up some of the tiger shirts that look pretty sweet. Uh, and continue your, your food education. Alan will get you started here, but if you're looking to learn more, read that book about salt. Try out some pickling yourself. People are still stuck at home. It looks like some COVID cases are spiking. So buy stuff from Alan and then also try some stuff at home. All right, folks, enjoy this conversation with Alan about the pickle guys. Well, first of all, thank you, Alan. Thanks for, for hosting in your space here. This is really cool. Well, anytime, Tim. It's a pleasure. So I've actually been here before. Uh, you get, you know, tens of thousands of faces, so you don't recognize me, but uh, I love pickles. Well, I, 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 believe me, I love pickles, too. Uh, I enjoy them. I eat them every day. Uh, as far as recognize you, it's hard to recognize anybody nowadays. Yeah. I used to know people <laughs> by face. Now I try to learn people by pupils. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess I'll, I'll explain why, right? A pickle episode for a podcast. Why are we doing this? Um, so first of all, I mean, I was telling you before, but I'm interested in everything. Uh, in terms of businesses, I'm interested in homegrown operations. I'm not looking to sit down with anyone from Walmart and talk about Walmart things. But, you know, I go all, all around the world and people say, well, what should I do in New York and what should I eat? And I think something that is like quintessential New York is delis and like a, a kosher Jewish deli, a sandwich, and what comes with the sandwich? A pickle. Sure, sure. I grew up on Long Island. Once you're a teenager and you can start driving, it's like there's not much to do. You go to 24-hour diners and you talk some crap with your friends and hang out. And lots of pickles there too. <laughs> yeah. I know there's lots of pickles there. Exactly. So uh, I appreciate what you guys do here and I'm excited to get to, to, to chat with you about it. Yeah. Don't worry about that phone. We'll yeah. just leave that in there. Uh, yeah. I so, uh, Like you said, New York City, if you had to look at New York City, uh, I guess instead of the Big Apple, it would be the Big Deli. You know, uh, knishes, egg creams, pickles, pastrami sandwiches, those would be like the things to remember of the good old days of New York City. Yeah, let me take this before, take it back before you were even here, before people are even consuming pickles here in America. Um, pickling as a way to preserve food, I believe, goes back to some of the earliest civilizations all the way to Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia, yes, exactly. That's where, that's where so far, that as they go back, that's the furthest where it started originally. Uh, the reason, uh, I'm going to say, pickling became popular, back then it was more of a, you know, if you're rich and you want to, like Cleopatra ate pickles, she thought it would preserve her and keep her young looking. 
But nowadays, it became a way of, of if you want to have vegetables in the wintertime, okay, uh-huh. in the fall, you would harvest all your vegetables, go down in your basement, you would pickle it, and that way you'd have it throughout the, the winter and the, and the spring. If you didn't do that, you'd have to wait till the end of the summer again to have green vegetables because you plant in the spring and your vegetables come up in the winter. Uh, you plant in the spring and your vegetables come up in the summer. So in order to have green vegetables or vegetables at all, all year round, they would preserve it and pickle it. And that's really basically why. That makes sense. Just bring this a little closer to you. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, the science behind this, I'm really a novice at, so forgive me, but I'm assuming then the, the salt or the vinegar content would kill bacteria, and that's what's able to keep it for so long? Well, again, it depends on what you're making and how you make it. You could pickle with like a couple of different items, uh, vinegar, salt. You could pickle with sugar, like honey lasts forever. Honey never goes bad. It could ah. be 2,000 years old, and honey will still be good. Uh, it's really how you do it. Uh, we make pickles here the same old-fashioned way since uh, the recipe came here from 1910. It came from Eastern European countries. Uh, we use salt water, pickling spices, and garlic. And what happens is, as it ferments, it gives off carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide keeps the bacteria from entering into the product. So that kills off the b- bad bacteria. You do get naturally good bacteria. It becomes like a lactic acid or something like that, like sort of like a yogurt. And you get the good bacteria, which is great for your body and great for your digestion. So... Again, you know, that's how it works. Uh, when you use vinegar, vinegar pretty much kills everything. Mm. So you don't have to worry about that when you use vinegar. So how long then the pickles that you make or, you know, all the pickled vegetables that you make, how long, like, is the shelf life or something like that? Okay. It really depends on what item we're making. Uh, to make to make an actual pickle, start with that. To make an actual pickle, we have a new pickle, a half-sour pickle, and a full-sour pickle. A full-sour pickle takes us at least three months and oh. it will last in your refrigerator for about six months. Okay, then you have a half-sour pickle, which takes about two weeks. The longer it sits in the barrel, because we make everything by barrels, it's going to age more. So if you let it sit for another two, three weeks, it's going to turn to a three-quarter sour pickle. Gotcha. Okay? And then we have a new pickle, which we make every Tuesday. We make new pickles. We have a trailer come here, and we drop cucumbers into a barrel, and we add salt, water, and pickling spices, and garlic, and we label them up and everything like that. And then if we let them sit... About two to three weeks, they're going to turn naturally to a half-sour pickle. Those, so, those are the best. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, it's not that it's going to go bad. It's going to continue to age. And once it hits a full-sour pickle, it's not going to go any further. And that will last for a while. Uh, like if you have pickled sauerkraut, sauerkraut lasts for months. Mostly everything here will last you months. There's a couple items that only last a month or so. Yeah, you, you mentioned that like the pickles and the pickling we're talking about comes from Eastern European cultures. Now, I know that like the Dutch were the first to sort of colonize this area of the country, and I believe they were pickling items. But when we're talking about like a New York daily pickle, that comes with the wave of Jewish immigration in like the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah, it actually came from uh, the World War, basically, I'm going to say World War One. When Jews were escaping Germany and East and European countries from persecution, they came to America. They came. You had to go back in the old days. When you came to America, you went anywhere. You went by steamship. There was no airplane. So you came by steamship. You end over at Ellis Island. And from Ellis Island, after you go through all your shots and they check up on you, make sure everything's cool, they let you off. Now you're in downtown Manhattan. So you don't know anybody, so you move to the area. That's why the Lower East Side... 
was mostly Jewish people because you got off the boat and you came here. And they brought what they knew how to do. And one of the things they knew how to do was make pickles. It was an inexpensive item. You could didn't need any store. They actually, at one time, like I said, back then, they would have a barrel. They would get cucumbers, throw in the barrel, sit up right on the sidewalk, and they make the stuff there, and they would sell it. And at night, when they were trying to go home, they would take, like, a, a canvas tarp, put it on top of the barrel, some rope around it, and go home. Next day, they come to work. They take the rope off, open up the tarp, and, they're on, and they start selling. So it was like, you know, a way of them to make a living. And that's why, at one time, this was known as the Pickle District. There's probably, at one time, probably 40 different pickle Aww. vendors down here. Uh, over the years, this is the only store left. And uh, I'm trying to keep it alive, because I consider this like a living museum. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, that's also what I appreciate about this. Like, it is very New York, and I love that. Right. Um, it's interesting, too, how you see this with a lot of food items, I don't know, like oysters or tripe, where you mentioned Cleopatra was eating them, right? And this sure. is a, a, a rich person's thing that then flips, right? Yeah. I mean, those foods what, that I just mentioned are the opposite, right? So oysters well, yeah, were... Like they said, I, I believe they said that lobster exactly. was a poor man's food. Exactly. And, and, and they used to eat it, and now, now, it's, now everybody wants lobster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is sort of the reverse of that, right? Like it's a... It was a, a working people's food. Grab right. your pickle on the way yeah. to work. Yeah, that was it. You know, you know, you had no money. It's only like probably five cents for a pickle. You bought a pickle, you ate it, and you know, it kind of curbed your appetite a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How much? Um, how much more labor? How much more difficult is it to do it the old-fashioned way versus doing something where like it's full of preservatives and canned that way? Well, if if, if you go well. The actual pickling process, because you still have to make the brine with the preservatives or without preservatives, the same thing. Mm. Uh, it's more labor. Uh, it's more labor to do it by us because we don't have machines. We don't go through conveyor belts. We don't have automatic washers. You know, everything we do here, we take the cucumbers. We get uh, roughly about two thousand pounds of cucumbers every week. Wow. We dump them <laughs> by hand into barrels, and we wash them. Then we make the brine by, by barrels, you know, as we need them, and we, we uh, put them into the pickles and the garlic and stuff. Uh, I find that we definitely have much more control. Yeah. And you get better quality because as we're, we're handling every item. So once we see something bad, we throw it out. It's not like a machine where it just throws it in the jar anyway. If it's something bad that just goes in, it doesn't matter. We go through every item. And then after everything, we go through and every item is labeled. And then when we sell it, we actually hand pack it. So again, everything gets looked at again. So you make sure you get the best quality you possibly can. Yeah, it's funny because uh, last weekend, um, my girlfriend and her family, they wanted to go to a renaissance fair. Not really my scene, but I went. And, you know, you get your like giant turkey leg. And they also have like these giant pickles on a stick. But the turkey leg's like two pounds of freaking protein. And like, so we ate that and we're driving back. And I'm like, I think I need some vegetables. <laughs> I'm not really feeling so good. And we stopped, like, we passed a Panera Bread, and you could get a salad there, right? And, you know, maybe it's not their fault. It's a high school kid putting it together or whatever. But it's just this thing that's slopped together and thrown into a plastic container. And you look at it, and it's just like, there is there is no passion or love behind this oh, no, <laughs> at no, no, no. all. Yeah, no. Uh, we, we actually take pride in what we do here. Uh, like I said, everything here is checked, rechecked, and double-checked. Uh, 
And when you, like I said, when you buy it, it's hand-packed, hand-selected for you. We use the best quality product. We, we cut our own garlic. We buy garlic. We cut it ourselves. We don't buy it out of a machine or anything like that. So everything is done by hand. Uh, you definitely get better quality. And the taste, you could taste the difference. Yeah. You definitely could taste the difference. Do you, in terms of uh, like the raw materials and the cucumbers, do you source them from a particular place? Do they have to be a certain kind? Well, okay. We have a, a cucumber broker. Ah. And his job is to get us cucumbers because we look for a certain size cucumber. Uh, if you're the smaller the cucumber, and it's actually a curvy cucumber, not you know, not a fancy dill or anything. It's a curvy cucumber we use. The smaller the cucumber, the better the pickle because there's, the seeds are smaller, there's less water inside, and you have more meat. And now you get that snap when you eat it. If you get the big fat pickles, they're all water and it's all soggy, so it's kind of unappetizing. Ah, yeah. So that's why we look for smaller pickles, smaller Kirby's. That's the one we look for. Uh, as far as the other vegetables, we have uh, guys that go to the market. We actually buy mar- the Hunts Point Market and Brooklyn Terminal Market, and they walk the platforms and they get what we need. And that's why we, you know, again, we don't just have it dropped off and cut out, you know. We actually look at the stuff before we even buy it, too. I love that snap, that yeah, that's crispness. The whole thing. If you could take a pickle and you could turn it end to end and it don't snap, it's not a good pickle. If there is there a timeline like a point of no return with that like if you go if it's in the barrel like an extra week like does it lose that? Uh, really, it really stays pretty much snappy. Okay, it, it should stay snappy. Uh, when, like I said, when you buy it here, if there is something soft, you will not get in your container. It'll still be snappy, uh, but eventually, uh, like I said, with sour pickles, they last a long time. The only reason we they're not that they're bad to eat. There's nothing wrong with them. It, they get a little soft, yeah. and it becomes unappetizing. You want something with a little, like you said, snap. Hell yeah. When you bite into a sandwich, you want to have that snap. Like a rubber band sandwich, snap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you come from, do you or your family, like a food background? Like, how did this start for you? Uh, actually, no. I, I, I'm actually by trade. I'm a commercial photographer. I did advertising. Oh, cool. I did a large format, still lifes. And I've done that for many years. And with photography, you're constantly looking for work. There's no steady job of work. So when I had time off, I had nothing to do. I had friends down here in the pickle industry, and I would help them out, you know, a couple of days here and there because, you know, I sitting home is no fun either. So I would work with them. And as they got older, I put more time in there. Uh, I started running the shipping department for them. I started running that. And as they got time went on, they got even older. And... Photography went digital. Everything went digital, and I didn't want to go into digital. I, I know how to control everything on film and through the camera and through lighting. I'm not a big computer person. And to me, it kind of lost the feeling where you take a picture and then you put it in a computer and then you manipulate it, you know what I mean? I would do it the old-fashioned way, like an artist. Yeah. And uh, so I closed my studio up, and the old timers were here. There's only one store left down here. And I said, if I don't take it over, it'll be done for good. So I ended up going to it full time. And when I first started, and even Mike will tell you, uh, there were only probably seven barrels, seven or eight barrels. And over the time, we have now like 40 barrels of different items. We added a lot to the line. Yeah, did you ever think it'd get to this point? I'm hoping to go more. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping to go out the door. (laughs) You ship all around the country? We ship anywhere in the United States. Wow. Uh, We don't do it across international because it it has to be refrigerated so if you send it to italy yeah. it may sit in customs and they're not going to refrigerate it for you know 
But you can see, like, you're talking about the artistry of photography in an old school way. And that translates to what you're doing here. There was this really cool uh, web series that Anthony Bourdain did. It was like the only endorsement he ever did. He worked for this whiskey company. And it's called Raw Craft. And he would find people doing, you know, shoe cobblers or uh, people making guitars from hand. And it's it's a dying breed of person. And But that is what you're doing here is the original yeah. craft. Well, yes, I, I again... I find it very fulfilling because when I was doing photography and I would take a beautiful photograph, people say, wow, that's a really beautiful photograph. It's a great feeling. I get that same feeling here when somebody goes, we always offer you a pickle. Would you like a pickle? And they eat the pickle and they go, wow, this is the best pickle I ever ate in yeah. my life. <laughs> I get the same feeling. You know, it's a great that's feeling. It's amazing. Well, I have people here that thank me for keeping the place here and thank me for coming to work. And... They're grateful for us. Yeah. And, you know, you don't get that in many jobs. Many jobs, people don't, you know, either don't care about you at all, but customers here love us. They come in and they thank us to be here. Oh, I get it. Are there any, you know, restaurants or delis or anything that, like, exclusively use you? We have, a, well, since the pandemic, you know, mm, it's a little rough yeah. now, but we had, uh, we used to do a lot of wholesale accounts. We had uh, a lot of steakhouses would be us. Mostly high-end restaurants would, uh, use our product because we can't afford to do it really inexpensive. So we would sell quality and we sell to the higher end uh, restaurants and hotels and stuff like that. And they understand because if you're given a whole meal and it's a perfect meal and there's a side addition the pickles are lousy, all night long you say, man, those are some lousy pickles. So the higher rent places care about everything. The average deli, they're looking at, you know, the cheaper the better, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so that's basically it. So we, we had a lot of high end customers here. Gotcha. You know, you can pickle at home. The only thing I've ever done is uh, I've, I've traveled extensively through Southeast Asia. And um, in, in northern Vietnam, uh, with your pho, with your, your, your noodle soup, you'd get this like pickled garlic that you can put in. So I tried pickling that at home. I'm wondering about if you're pickling at home for your own consumption using like mason jars, is there a difference in doing that versus the barrels? Like, did the barrels add something to it? No, uh, no. It doesn't make, it's not a magic barrel. You can make them in jars and any type of thing, probably Tupperware, mm. anything you want. It's not really, it's not really the container. Uh, at one time we used to have wooden barrels, but it's against the law to use wooden barrels anymore because you can't clean them. So that's why all our barrels are, are plastic and food-grade oh, barrels. Versus alcohol, which I guess would be like cleaning itself. Uh, well, alcohol yeah. is its own, yeah. It kills bacteria. So you can't use oh. wooden barrels anymore. So the actual flavor, it's really the content of the acids and the salt. And that's what, that's the only thing that will make the difference. And whatever flavor. You know, if you, it's like anything. If you use cheap ingredients, it's going to taste cheap. If yeah. you use good, it's going to be good, you know? So that says, I mean, good could go bad, but bad will never go good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm assuming then your, your recipe you keep under wraps. Well, yeah. Like I said, that's the only thing we have, you know, going. You know, we can't, you know, it's not like you could patent it really a recipe. Yeah. You know what I mean? we, we keep it secret. You know, only certain people know how to make this stuff here. Uh, and we keep it like that. And they also, we do it in large quantities. So for them to, to, for somebody to make it into small jars, it'd be very hard for it to figure out because we're doing 55 gallon drums here and to make it into an eight ounce jar is going to be really hard to figure out the amount of ingredients. Do you ever uh, experiment 
with items to pickle. Sure, sure. So I come up with different things. I, I've, I have pickled pineapple upstairs, which took me about a year to come up with. Ah. You know, some items takes me a long time. Some items takes me one or two times, like uh, bread and butter. I almost nailed it on the first shot, and I did it again. The second shot was perfect. So, yeah, every year when it gets slow, like in the summertime when it's really slow, we, we play around with different items. Some items make it, and some don't make it. <laughs> <laughs> my, my girlfriend and I watch Chopped, and we uh, we do like a bet, right? We see the four contestants in the beginning. We say like, I think that person's going to win, like with no real context to them. Uh, and the other day, we watched an episode about pickles. So I wanted to ask you to see if it matches up with what they said. Uh, why are they called bread and butter pickles? Okay, you want to know why they're called bread yeah. and butter? <laughs> okay, in in during the depression, uh, people couldn't afford. Because they couldn't afford lunch or anything like that. So they would take pickles and put it on two slices of bread with butter. Whoa. And they had pickle sandwiches. And then those pickles ended up being known as bread and butter pickles. And they're like a little sweeter, huh? They're sweet, sour, vinegary. And that's why they're called bread and butter because, like I said, during the Depression, oh, you needed cool. a sandwich. And that was the sandwich they made. It was uh, bread and butter and some sliced pickles. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, there's so many odd things from the Depression. I was reading like that people would eat an onion like an apple. Just like. Yeah, you know, you still got to eat. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, I saw on your website uh, pickled watermelon. And being a novice, like I thought like, wow, that's interesting. But it seems like that's not that uncommon. Where, where does that come from? That comes from uh, Eastern European countries. Really? They would pick a watermelon. And, and also down south, they would they do the pickled watermelon wine. Oh, yeah. oh, you eat the yeah. whole watermelon, you're left with all this meat, you know? So they would pickle the rind, and that's in the South. They would just pickle the rind, and they would, you know, make it like pickles. And there's nothing wrong with it. It tastes just like pickle. Yeah. You know? And in Europe, they would they would make the whole watermelon, and, they, and that was a way to preserve watermelon, basically, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's really cool because uh, I am uh, largely in favor of trying to use all of the product that you have and to cut down on waste. And I saw that you guys will, will bottle and sell the pickle juice. Well, yeah. Well, we sell pickle juice. It's uh, mostly, mostly people use it for that, this new fad of uh, uh, picklebacks, which is Jameson yeah. whiskey, a <laughs> shot of whiskey and a shot of pickle juice. Uh, there are also other benefits like sauerkraut juice is great for your digestion. Uh, if you undergoing chemotherapy or radiation, oh. if you drink pickle juice, it helps you with the radiation and gives you your appetite to eat. Also, if you have a hangover, drink pickle juice, it relieves your hangover. Uh, athletes, like football teams and basketball teams, they instead of drinking Gatorade, they drink pickle juice because it, the salt retains the water and you stay hydrated and you don't get cramps. So there's a lot of good benefits from it. That's fascinating. So I actually had to research this in advance of talking to you. I guess there was a big, uh, or not a big, there was a, a game between the Eagles and the Cowboys that kind exactly. of kicked this yeah. off. It's like 109 degrees, Eagles win. They asked them, like, how did you guys, like, have the endurance to make through that heat? And they're like, well, we were drinking pickle juice. Yeah, and that's exactly why. Yeah, it's your salts. It's, it's your electrolytes. Salt. You're drinking yeah. salt, and you're maintaining the war. You're not cramping up. And like I said, there's a lot of health benefits to it. Don't forget, it's got... Uh, it's got good bacteria in there, which is great for your digestion, like yogurt. Yogurt has good bacteria in there. Uh, 
nowadays we're all germophobics and we stay away from everything. And that's not really healthy. Our bodies is meant to have bacteria to help break down food and digestion. Yeah. Man, it's fascinating. Um, I was wondering about your, your hot pickles. And if you're using chilies, or like, how are you getting those hot? Okay. We, we, take, we make regular pickles, and then we add regular like uh, crushed red peppers, like you get from a pizzeria. You okay. Know, like and we just add enough to it to make it hot. And then, uh, the longer they sit, the hotter they become. And you can regulate the time and the heat. I find that works faster than if you were to put an actual chili in there. It takes a long time for the heat from the chili to go into the product. This goes in relatively fast. Got you. And again, sorry for people listening who are like, man, you don't know the science at all, Tim. But I'm assuming like it never ferments into an alcohol because you're not adding sugar. Right. Uh, like I said, when you're doing it with salt water or vinegar, there's no sugar. Sugar, sugar items do uh, pick, uh, fermentate into alcohol. Like we have uh, pineapple upstairs, which has a lot of sugar. Uh, mango has a lot of sugar. And if we let it sit long enough, it will have an alcohol taste to it. Gotcha. And, but then again, that's why I say those items only are really good for about a month, month and a half, because you love it. But we have some, I like the bread and butter, they'll never turn to, see, it's all good ratio. We'll never turn it to sugar, uh, alcohol, even though it's got a lot of sugar in it, it's got a lot of vinegar in it, and the vinegar stops it. Gotcha. So it has to do with the ratio of product, of uh, materials or ingredients that you use. So do you have to use exact measurements like a baker? Well, it depends. If you, if you, if Mike makes something, and Mike makes something, and Will or or Max makes something, you could taste the difference because huh. we do different. He may look at the thing this way, one scoop. I do this way, a scoop. It's just like it's just like a baker. I'm, you know. So like I said, we don't have actual measuring containers where you go three quarters of a cup. We have plastic containers. We eyeball it and we throw it in there. So you could tell who made what. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, you know, we, we mentioned that this comes from Eastern European cultures. I live in a, an entirely Hasidic community, like my immediate in the vicinity of my apartment in Brooklyn. Um, your products are kosher, right? Yes, yes. What is the process of making that happen? Okay, uh, well, to keep it kosher, you got to have, uh, you got to follow kosher dietary laws, okay? Uh, all the ingredients that we do use here, like the vinegar we use here, is kosher vinegar. It's not wine vinegar. It's not rice vinegar. Oh. It's white distilled vinegar or apple cider vinegar because those are, you know, uh, all, all the, the spices that we use are blended for, uh, kosher, so there's no stuff like, you know, bread or anything in there. Uh, we also don't serve meat. Everything here is parf, which means non-dairy. So you could eat, because if, if I had sold dairy here, you can only eat these pickles with dairy. You can't eat it with meat. And oh. if I serve meat here, you can't eat it with dairy. So we have neither one here. So now you could, it's your choice to eat it with whatever you want to eat it with. Yeah, so you own the place next door. Or yes, yes. I, was, I noticed that uh, that all of like the burger products are, are vegetarian and vegan. Everything is vegetarian. Gosh. And that's also the reason why, to keep... To keep everything kosher. Oh, that's interesting. So we follow the kosher dietary laws. The rabbi comes in once, twice a week, and he checks on everything. And uh, we also make herring here. And oh. Mike's the herring king here. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when we make herring, the rabbi's here, and he watches Mike a little bit, and then he comes in here and starts praying. Interesting. <laughs> but he's not praying for that. He's just praying to pray, you know what I mean? <laughs> got you, got you. 
Yeah, and if I'm assuming if you didn't do that, you'd miss out on like a, a huge market in the city. Well, you know, it, it always seems that pickles and herring seem to go together. Yeah. Uh, like I said, when I first started, there was no herring, and even when Mike first started, there was no herring. And I'm gonna say what the last ten, twelve years we started doing herring. Yeah, we started making our own herring. Yeah. Gotcha. And we tell me about the uh, like the thousands of pounds of horseradish that you do for the holiday. Oh, okay. During Passover, uh, we grate fresh ground horseradish. It is the best horseradish <laughs> you can get. It is super hot, and uh, we must buy uh, almost close to two tons of horseradish root, and we peel it, grate it, brine it, uh, and jar it at right in front of you. The guy's in front of the store. He's got a grinding machine, wow. he's got a little helper, and he's got gas masks. I was going to say. They wear gas masks because it is uh. really rough stuff. And when you eat this, it, I guarantee you it will be the best horseradish you'll ever eat in your whole life. And we have people that wait all year round just to buy horseradish, just for the holidays. That's You want to impress your family or your loved ones or friends, you get a jar of this horseradish. You'll knock their socks off. Uh, which holiday are we talking about? Passover. Passover is okay. a big, big uh, horseradish. Because you have you can filter fish, you know, and also it's sim- symbolic. Horseradish is supposed to make you tear, uh-huh. and that's supposed to symbolize the tear of leaving Egypt. Oh, that's interesting. All right, I'm gonna have to remember that for next year then. Yeah, oh, it's the best. I'm telling you, and the horseradish is made. It'll probably last in your refrigerator about four months. Oh, and wow! It, like I said, we have people that just come and buy cases of it. That's awesome. Um. How have you been affected by and survived uh, the pandemic so far? Well, originally, uh, when I closed down everything, it had a, we lost all our wholesale accounts. Oh, God. We lost a lot of customers. Uh, luckily, we have some shipping. So, I mean, just roughly off the top of my head, I'm going to say I probably lost about 65% of my business. Holy crap. Uh, slowly turn around. I'm going to say maybe we're up to 45% loss now. Wow. But it's still a hard loss. We had to lay off a lot of people. So we're kind of understaffed, but we're trying to make do as best as we can. And hopefully this will end fast. And if it goes another couple of years, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't honestly answer that if it goes more than a couple more years. Oh, man. I mean, you see a, a large push from communities to support local people and support their own communities. Or like I said, the only thing we're going to have left is freaking Olive Garden and Panera and stuff like that. Well, yeah, I, I really don't understand why large businesses are allowed to be open. I know. And, and they're allowed to have three, 400 people in there. When a small business only has five people in at a time, they want to close them down. I, I, I don't really understand it. And uh, again, this is only my personal view. Uh, I think they should open up all the businesses. This is again, my, only my personal view. They should open up all the businesses. And if you have health issues or something, you should take precautions. It's up to you. It's your decision whether you want to go in and not go in. Uh, you should also be responsible. You're adults now. You should wear your gloves and mask for you to protect you and your loved ones and f- other people on the street. Yeah. And open up the business again, you know. Uh, if everybody's healthy and there's no business, what are you going to eat? A hamburger is going to be $30 for a hamburger. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and likely those places that are able to stay open, they have money and lobbying power and all that stuff that a lot of the small guys don't have, but... I mean, not to keep harping on the point, but there is a there is a massive difference between something that is th- there is care put into it. People care about the quality of it, 
versus something that looks like assembly line food. Like it is drained of its color. <laughs> and I mean, we could go through life. I don't know. Like, I guess you could eat a bar for every meal. That's like a protein and vitamin bar, but like soil and green. Exactly. Some <laughs> soil and crap. And, but man, that's a life without any sort of pleasure. And that, that is, that's a scary uh, yeah, proposition. Uh, yeah. I mean, you should be able to, you know, again, should be, you should approach it like an adult. You yeah. know I mean, it should be your decision. Uh, if you have health issues, then you have loved ones or family members. You could also have it delivered or shipped to your house. You know, by killing the economy all over the world, I don't think it was the, was the proper answer, you know? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send people your way. So people listening right now know you could go to the show notes. There will be a link to social media and stuff like that, um, an address for, for your store here. Well, I appreciate it. it man. Any, 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 any bit can help, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, they'll all know this right now, so you listening know. Uh, but in my intro, I'm going to going to go upstairs and purchase some pickles. And I'm going to do a little taste test and tell people what I think of different varieties and stuff like that. So uh, is there anything that you'd like to promote or a certain website people should go check out to follow up? Uh, well, we have a website, uh, pickleguys.com. Uh, you go online there and you can see everything that we sell and uh, all the items and we can ship. Like I said, we ship all over the world, uh, all over the United States. And if you have a cousin in Florida or a loved one or somebody you really want to show that you care, send them a jar of pickles. Awesome. Nice. I dig it, Alan. Uh, Thank you. Mike's over here, too. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Really appreciate getting to to learn from you and to to talk to you today. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. And good luck, man. Cool. Likewise. Bye-bye. Hey, Voyagers. That's a wrap. Episode 189 is in the books. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alan. Super cool guy doing a super cool and unique thing and uh, would love to, to hear about you going out there and, and supporting them. There's so many great, unique, and interesting places and people in New York. I'm really, really fortunate that uh, I get to call this place home. All right, folks, thank you for listening. Thank you to the Pickle Guys. And as always, please, please, please take care of each other out there. I will catch you very soon.